The Gospels are the accounts of the words and works of our Savior Jesus. It's there that we learn of the acts of love that mean for us forgiveness and everlasting life. Join us to study one of these Gospels, the book of Matthew. Read a chapter and then listen in as our pastors from Grace discuss the marvel of God's words to us. We hope that you listen to Jesus' words and that with us you grow. Here's another discussion on a chapter from the book of Matthew. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Most Certainly True Podcast. Um, I'm Pastor Brian Hockman, one of the pastors here at Grace, and I've got another of my colleagues here with me today. Pastor Hebner, how are you today? I am fine, Pastor Hockman, and thanks for asking, and glad to be here for another podcast. What fun we're having tracking through the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah, if you've uh, made it this far, you, you've done this 24 times before, and this <laughs> is chapter number 25, and so we thank you for joining us mm-hmm. in that, and we hope that you're growing and having as much fun as as we've been growing and having fun uh, getting to unpack these chapters and right. and really apply them into our a- 21st century lives. As we said a couple chapters ago, you know, this is, this is the intense time now, starting in chapter 21 with the Holy Week. And we're still there as chapter 25 picks up on 24. It's Tuesday of Holy Week. I call it Busy Tuesday. And what a day it was. And so still late hours of the evening and well into, does this go past midnight? Who knows? He's doing the last minute instructions. And that's what's, I think, a neat memory hook for us when we get to this chapter. Because all of these three stories that he's going to, the gospel writer includes here, uh, have that flavor of, you know, we're coming to the end now. <laughs> and um, the the business of how we, by grace alone, get uh, brought into the kingdom, and then while we're still here, how we wisely use his gifts, and and finally it ends up as fittingly with a judgment day. Thing. So you come to the end of the teaching of Jesus to his followers, and that's what we have in this chapter. This really... Kind of gets your gets your blood pumping, your heart going a little faster. Wow, this is really some exciting stuff. Jesus is, this is it, boys. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're going to be. I'll be invisibly with you. You're not going to be alone. But this is it. You're going to be when I accomplish my work in a few days, died, and I rise again, and I'll make myself invisible, and then you're it. You go. And uh, why? Because this world will one day end. Yeah, and he's he'll con- be with us, uh, my Father and the Spirit, and with me in heaven forever. He's continuing that that final instructions. And yeah. So let's talk about end times things. Let's talk about living uh, the Christian life in the end times. Mm-hmm. Um, these these last opportunities that Jesus has to equip his disciples um, before he yeah. himself goes to the cross, which we saw in the previous chapter too. You know, he's got that end time thing going on. Yeah. 24 and 25 end up being mm-hmm. um, real joined together. There's a chapter break, but the setting continues and the theme continues yeah. and the, the topic. In our so. Christian church here, when we get to the end of each church year before Advent starts, there's a couple of Sundays where we'll have, in year A, when Matthew is featured, we'll have accounts like this. And the same will be true when we get to year B with Mark and year C with Luke. These are these last end time type stories that fit very well the judgment themes and the end of time themes that we have in the end of the church here. Yeah. 
And yet we see Jesus masterfully, like he always does, presenting these important truths in pictures that people can understand, <laughs> in la- in language that's easily uh, applicable. Yeah. Um, everyone can understand uh, the wedding picture that he uses, the sheep and goats comes later. Yeah. That's all, those are things that are so readily familiar. He uses the, the common, ordinary, everyday to express and to teach and to reinforce right. these these truly important I think to uh, get the intensity concepts. of the first one, though, um, you know, your statement is so on point about uh, imagery that we would know and understand. But there are some interesting little tidbits that our podcasters, Bible readers, want to be aware of when we're talking about this familiar story of the the bridesmaids who are five prepared and five not. And perhaps we did talk about this at some previous podcast related to Mary and Joseph when Joseph finds out she's pregnant. But if not, it'd be worth repeating that it was common practice among the Israelites in those days that the official rite if you want to call R-I-T-E, the official ceremony when you're declared to be husband and wife would be their public announcement of such and their promises at the engagement. And so now they're husband and wife, but then the husband would go off to construct the home. And how long would that take? You know, a couple of months or whatever, two, three months. Depends on the husband, right? Yeah. <laughs> Depends on his... Uh, <laughs> if that were me, it would take a long, long time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And maybe your financial ability to whatever you're constructing. but So then he's going to come back, and that's when the wedding reception takes place. So when would he finish this, and when would they, you know, that's that's the whole anticipation of these bridesmaids who were supposed to have oil in their lamps, and five did and five didn't. You know, because that doesn't, otherwise in today's world, you know, we we have an engagement, and then people are promising, but they're not married yet. This is very serious promises, but they're not married until the actual, and we have a ceremony where the actual, they're now actually married or the reception is within hours or you just are right, right away, you know. So maybe in the COVID world, you know, where you have a private ceremony and have an affirmation later or just have a, a red <laughs> wedding reception and, and uh, you would invite guests to, but you don't tell them what day or something, you know, just... <laughs> I'd like you to gather, and guess what? There may or may not be, you know, we don't know if the groom is coming with the bride. It's kind of hard to picture how that would be the same in today's world. But at any rate, that was that's the that's part of the imagery of what Jesus is using. So they don't know when the groom is coming, and then we don't know when Judgment Day will occur. Be ready. <laughs> and that's that's really a cool, keep the lamps burning. Yeah. How so the do you, question is, how do you do that? How? How do you do that? How do you stay ready, or how do you be ready for something that you don't know when it's going mm-hmm. to be, and it's be ready right now, right? Right. <laughs> Instead of saying, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to do a long-range plan, and then <laughs> I'll start uh, implementing my long-range plan in a long range mm-hmm. of time from now, it's be ready, act as if it's coming today. Yeah. And and then if it doesn't, then you're ready for it to come tomorrow. Um, mm mm-hmm. And I think that's the point of the the parable is to not... And that, that always should be driving all of us to stop and think once again, well, how do we get ready, you know, for judgment? How do we stay ready? And the answer is really from cover to cover throughout the scriptures. It's, well, you, to get ready for to meet your God, believe what he says. 
about you. Believe that you're a rotten, smelly, stinking sinner and you deserve hell, but believe that Jesus, your substitute, did a life that you couldn't and made a payment that you don't want to, and it's credited to you. Believe that God tells you about your sin and your Savior. Believe your sinfulness. Believe your forgiveness from Jesus. And then you're ready. Yeah. Another fancy word for that is called repentance. <laughs> so we live a life of daily repentance is basically believing the law and the gospel, the, believing the bad news, the good news, believing about our true, honest, uh, horrible sinfulness, and then our true relationship with God based on Jesus. Be, trust that. Know that's true, and you're ready. I don't know about you, Pastor, but uh, I find myself needing to be reminded of that daily. Yeah. And think about that daily. Because otherwise, you know, you just sort of, ah, I know that. I've heard that since I'm a kid, and I, you know. But no, you know, my sin is way too real. My weaknesses, my failures are way too too obvious, I, and I hate it. But but I, I just, what does that mean? I need his forgiveness or I'm toast forever. This is really what the parable is doing. It's forcing us to think through not only the statement, be ready, but how do we get ready? And that's really a cool way that Jesus is helping his followers in this Tuesday of Holy Week, late night or with that story. Yeah. It, it reminds me of so many of the other places where Jesus talks about having that connection to him and mm-hmm. stay connected to the vine so that you as the branch mm-hmm. can grow. And mm-hmm. um, that's the only way to bear fruits and being ready is, is just another one of those things that mm-hmm. when we're, con- when we're exposed to the means of grace in word and sacrament, God promises that our faith will be active and growing, yeah. um, and this is all a part of this. What happens when Jesus returns? What's he going to find? And and those that that have that connection to Him through Word and Sacrament, um, they're the ones that are ready. It's a beautiful thing that we have our members and friends interested in reading and studying Scripture and doing podcasts to assist them. Because what does that mean? You know, they they're hungering and thirsting for like. God wants all of us to have that. You know, you know, when my when I don't eat, then then my tummy rumbles and it's empty and I can tell I'm hungry, right? But when my soul isn't being fed, it doesn't necessarily rumble. Right. I don't get that same sensation. Although, you know, you've talked to people and I have it in my life too. And if I'm not feeding my soul regularly, you you begin to sense there's something missing here, what's screwed up. But most often, you know, you get so wrapped up in other things of life, you're not thinking about your spiritual hunger. Like the bread of life sermon stuff, that's another analogy that we have that fits in here too. But right. our soul, you know, needs the feeding. Our, our faith does need yeah. the feeding. Most often the spiritual rumbling is more when something really, really bad happens <laughs> and causes you to look back and reflect yeah, yeah. and then say, oh, look at that. I've been neglecting my spiritual life. Yeah. It's not as much the daily, you know, if you skip your daily devotion, you probably don't feel super guilty about that. Um, <laughs> but if you skip eating for a day, that's going to have a, a more immediate yeah. uh, physical response yeah. to it. Which connects to that first story then again about the... Um, uh, staying, I like the word you use, staying connected to our God through Jesus, right? Staying connected, staying connected. It's this relationship, and that only happens through, as you said so beautifully, through the, the tools he's given us, the gospel, the good news in word and sacrament. Yeah. So be prepared, and this is how, right? What do you think about that next story, though? Um, the previous editions, the NIV picked up on the 
And we had to do some checking on this because I had forgotten. Thanks for reminding the me. Bags the bags of gold, the as of you gold read originally in your 2011. were talents, right? Yeah. So I don't like reminder. the bags of gold as much as the talents because yeah. I, I love that picture. I get that maybe it's a that's a unit of currency that you have to research to find out exactly what does this mean. Yeah. How does a talent compare to a denarius and, and all that? Yeah. Um, but I, I love that concept of a talent is something here that's been entrusted. Mm-hmm. Um, and even as we consider the way that the word talent is used today, it's gifts that a, a person possesses, mm-hmm. interests, abilities, whatever. Um, that The reason that that's a word today in English, it ties back to this parable <laughs> and this unit of, of measure and then turned into a unit sure. of money um, that was entrusted and then there was an expectation that it be used yeah um that the same is true of the talents that god gives to us i've got gifts that i spiritual gifts that i can use and god entrusts those to me not just Mm -hmm. because but for a purpose (laughs) that that i do something with them and and that i use them to to bring glory and honor to him and and that i serve others in the process so that's a long way of saying i like talents better than bags of gold but it does communicate there's value yeah, um, I, that's w- very well so. said. But I think it's interesting, though, how the gospel writer Matthew puts these all in this, you know, they're all strung in this chapter as because they all do fit together, you know, the the life of daily repentance to feed our souls so that we are prepared, our lamps are burning, and then, you know, we're going to get to the one where we're finally at the end what happens, Judgment Day. But here's this one in the middle, which is, but you're still on earth, and use the gifts, the talents that he's given you. Don't just sit and twiddle your thumbs waiting right. for Judgment Day or to say, okay, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me, and now I can just sit back and, you know, put my feet up on my lazy boy recliner and do nothing. No, he wants us to. He's telling his followers, first of all, and us, you're going to have an active life. It's part of the fun of being a Christian. You get to have an impact on others. You use your talents, use yeah. your bags of gold, use your what you've been given for others. It's in a very poignant and yeah. story. And yet the master is returning. Yeah. So yeah, this parable does focus in on on our lives here on earth today, mm-hmm. but with an eye towards judgment day, with with uh, uh, an understanding that the master is coming. And yeah. um, so we don't want to be those that have just buried our talents. We don't want to be those right. that have whether not you, had a connection to... Whether you have five and five talents or pegs or whatever it is, and you make five more or two and make two more and one and make one more instead of burying it. It's just use what you've got, and the Lord is going to say, you know, well done. And that that reminds me, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this story. When, when, I, was, um, when I was in college, you know, pre-seminary, um, our college was west of here. We're in Milwaukee. And um, there was a community a few miles away where there was, I guess you'd today call it a high-end restaurant. And so some of my college friends um, and my our, got jobs there as uh, waiters. And they would, part of the, the garb, they had to have a, like a tux. You know, they had to wear, they, they, this was a, so, and then they made pretty decent money. You know, people who are in that kind of a profession, maybe your hourly rate isn't much, but the tips and everything. And Well, it turned out the story is this. One of my friends, actually he was a class ahead of me, but we were pretty good friends, and, and he, he regularly worked at this very fine restaurant. And sure enough, don't you know, one evening uh, there was a 
a pastor from the general area there for his, with his wife with a special treat dinner at this restaurant. So as you would expect, you know, the, it's time to eventually order from the menu. And this pastor was looking at my friend who's the waiter and ordering, you know, a steak. And he said, I would like to have that cooked all the way through without any red. What I would like to have it done like that. What would that be? And my friend looked at him and said, well done, though, good and faithful servant. <laughs> the, the, the line from this chapter. Every time I come across this story by Jesus, and then I think about that. That's quick-witted. Yeah, I that's like that. very good. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I think... This parable is talking about faithfulness, mm-hmm. and it can be easy to get off the wrong track to focus on the return. Like oh. the guy put five bags of gold to practice and then got five more, and the guy had two and got two more. But the master isn't so concerned with the return. Like, you multiplied, you you doubled yeah. your yeah. money, right. and the other guy doubled his money, and then this the, the last one didn't double the money, and that, that was the anger. Uh, no, it's really about the faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no character who who faithfully put the money to work and then didn't get a return or didn't get the bigger as big a return. That's not a character in the story. But as as I'm seeing this and looking at the point, yeah, it, it's not so much the return that the master is worried about. You did something. He right? he's he's concerned that <laughs> it was put to use and yes. that there was there yeah. was effort. Because of mm-hmm. a mindfulness of who the master was yeah. and an appreciation that this is not really my bag of gold, but it's my master's. And so I'm going to do the best that I can mm-hmm. um, to be able to return at least it, if not, you know, and more. Um, you know, and you so, think that it's such a grand encouragement for faithfulness. But look at the negative side. I mean, seriously, if we are not. It's not as though the story just ended and said, well, shame on you for, you know, burying your bag of gold. But, but it's, you know, throw that worthless servant out into, out and there's going to be weeping, you know, or to th- send him to hell. Oh. Oh. Yeah. There's this, the consequences of our sinfulness aren't just like a little slap on the wrist. He's, Jesus is pretty serious he about He is pretty serious. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting to me that his um, half-brother, the Apostle James writes his letter, and it's parallel to a chapter like this or a story like this and to the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus himself told. It's, that letter James wrote is really all about, you can claim you have faith, but it's not truly faith unless it's active and producing fruit. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a, just a fake faith, only in name only or so I, I just, it's a great connection and a warning, but also filled with good news and gospel. This is a law gospel preaching from Jesus. Right. And then mindful of the truth from the rest of scripture that the only way that I can put my talents into use to be good works is if Christ himself is working alongside me. So it's not yeah. as if I got to figure out some way to make sure that the <laughs> master is happy and not mad when he comes back. Uh, but just recognizing this truth that Jesus enables any work and any mm-hmm. um, any faithfulness that we have, any any return that we're able to garner. That's 
only because of Jesus working in me right. to make it happen. And doesn't that connect with the next story so beautifully? Because when the sheep and goats business, and then here's what you did for me, and then as believers, <laughs> we're going to go, we did that? Really? You know, I don't even, you're not even thinking about that because you're not looking for your life, your Christian life, or your works to be earning a spot in heaven. You're just grateful to be there. But that becomes then on Judgment Day, that is a, a surprising thing that the Lord God will make known to others what most people wouldn't know, that you are not only a believer, and here's the evidence. Right. Their life of uh, compassion and care, it's it's just a, a, a pretty cool way. But again, there's that negative, there's sheep and there's goats. So trusting in Jesus and then living a thankful life isn't something to just shake off and say, well... I can take it or leave it. It's not that big a deal. Well, it is a big deal. Eternity is at stake here. This is one of uh, several places um, in the Gospels where it seems like Jesus is saying your works is what decides whether you go to heaven or hell. Your works are what is the difference between being a sheep or being a goat. And um, clearly that's not what Jesus is saying. He isn't saying those that do good works go to heaven and those that don't do good works go to hell. Uh, but rather this is works as the outward manifestation of what's inside. Right. That the works are your faith <laughs> out on display, mm-hmm. um, which then is you were you were kind of saying this before that the the believer is surprised to hear <laughs> I was doing this for Jesus because it's just what naturally. You know, it's just yeah. my faith being put into practice. It's just what I, it's a I, no-brainer that I'm going to, if I see someone suffering, I'm going to do what I can and use what I have to help them. It's a no-brainer that I'm going to use my talents to to help other people. I'm not looking for a reward or for credit or for anyone to even see it. That's just, yeah. those are the natural fruits that flow from faith. But then to hear God who sees hearts and sees actions and sees it all say, you, you're doing that because of me. Isn't that interesting and you're how doing that, that for me? Yeah, and it's linked to that, like back in Matthew six when he talked about prayer. We're not out on the street corner and showing off how we pray. No, it's just private in your own room, and God knows what's in your heart and your prayer life. And same thing here. It's that's really kind of interesting. That uh, so uh, I have to ask you though, Pastor Hockman, um, little kid, and you heard this story when you were little. I did too, but did you have that in your experience too? That in your heart and mind that now. Maybe grandma and grandpa are going to take you or the folks to one of these little, you know, kitty farms where you can see animals. And I was okay. And stay away from the goats. I was saying (laughs) okay to see the little lammies, but I wasn't really keen to go see the goats. I don't want to fellowship with the goats. I don't really want to hang out. These little goats come, oh, no, I'd rather have the sheep because I just had this in me that goats are bad and sheep are good. Yeah. Terrible. I still remember that. How old was I? Five. Four, you know. Funny. <laughs> yep. But um. <laughs> I've heard it said, and maybe you could you could respond either way mm-hmm. to this. That one of the reasons that Jesus uses this picture is because sheep and goats were separated. Like especially when it came to mating time, they would be hmm. herded separately so that you would have purebred offspring instead of huh. a, a mixture. So Jesus again would be using an analogy or a picture of something that they'd be familiar with sure. in a shepherding culture. Yeah. yeah, when it's time to separate the sheep from the goats, you have that, and there's a distinction, and there's yeah. a clear line in between. 
Sure. Have you heard that before? You? I've not, but it wouldn't surprise me. I have such little knowledge about agriculture. <laughs> I always have to do, nowadays you do Google searches or whatever. If I'm going to be preaching on a text like right. this or about shepherds, I have to go research and I have books on my shelf, you know, the old library <laughs> thing, or you can check the internet because I'm I'm a city boy and I just don't know much about farming. I just don't, or agriculture, <laughs> you know, so this whole sheep goat thing, you could, I will, I'll, I'll be happy to go. What I do know is um, from the, the picturesque language that Solomon uses in his beautiful poem about marriage called the Song of Songs, where the husband is describing his bride, his wife, as being beautiful from head to foot. And the line that always makes people chuckle is, you know, your hair is like a flock of goats descending on Mount Gilead, (laughs) you know, and what kind of a compliment would that be? But it also fits with the fact that in that same poem, he talks about her sheep are like uh, sheep that are washed clean and from the shearing. So very often in Palestine, apparently, the sheep were white and a lot of the goats were black. But if you're standing alongside the Jordan River and you look across the river to see, that's where Gilead is, it's across the Jordan, Mm -hmm. and and it's the hilly part. And then if in the distance, a flock of black goats are winding their way slowly down as a group down this hillside, and the sun is gleaming off their beautiful, what do you call yeah. it, goat hair? Fur, fur, hair, hair, right? Yeah. And it's glistening. I mean, that you can see the tresses of these uh, Semitic women, black-haired, right, flowing and glistening and gorgeous. Yeah. So it's really a compliment. Your, your hair is like a flock of goats descending on Mount Gilead, but... There's not a lot of women today, I think, especially if they're not black, have dark hair, you know, if they have blonde hair. <laughs> they wouldn't consider that very much a compliment. But um, that goes again to this business of sheep and goats. Now, were there different, like in Jacob's day, you know, and his flocks were multiplying his sheep and goats. Some are striped and some are, you know, spotted right. and whatever. And so they had what we do today. But kind of in general, you know, there's a distinction between sheep and goats, white or black or especially when they're going to have their purebred sure. in the mating season. So the separation would be something they'd be familiar with. But what a way for him to wrap up this busy Tuesday in his last public teaching to his followers before he does the great work he's got to do. Man. And, of course, we know that with all three of these stories... Yeah, they are most, most certainly, certainly true. true. joining us in our effort to read and grow through the Gospel of Matthew. We'd love to share more Jesus with you. Learn more about Grace at our website, www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, Bible study resources, links to our digital media resources, our pastor's contact info, and a lot more about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon.